This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Hey, and welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. Uh, there are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Uh, we are trying something a little different uh, tonight. I am doing the show from home. Uh, Randy uh, White, uh, who is running the live YouTube stream, he's at his place. And uh, Albert, my fine story producer, is taking a much-deserved night off. And, of course, Ian, my uh, fine rockabilly friend, is uh, right where he should be, behind the big audio board at Zoomerplex, Zoomer Radio, uh, the hub, if you will. And uh, I'm sending my audio to uh, Zoomer via Skype, and I'm sending my web- webcam video uh, to Ryan. I think I just called him Randy. <laughs> well, he can be, I'm told, at times. Anyway, Ryan, sorry about that, pal. Uh, so he's getting my webcam video at his place via the Google Hangout, and our guests uh, will be contacted uh, either through Skype or radio. So it's not exactly state-of-the-art technology. It's not like we're zooming all over the planet via satellite. But, uh, you know, I hope it works. Fingers crossed. Uh, David John Oates is um, uh, he's from Australia, but he's actually in the Pacific Northwest tonight, and he is the discoverer of reverse speech. It all began with David John Oates. And he maintains uh, that during spoken language production, human speakers subconsciously produce hidden messages that give insights into their innermost thoughts. And he claims this has applications in psychotherapy, criminology, uh, business negotiation, And we'll be hearing some examples of reverse speech over the course of the next 45 minutes or so. Now, in the second hour, well, it's uh, the second Sunday of the month. That means a visit from internationally acclaimed paranormal investigator and incredibly prolific author, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. And uh, we're going to do something a little different with Rosemary tonight. We're going to open up the phone lines and give you a chance to call in with questions. And we're going to focus on haunted 
objects and problem ghosts. So if you have a ghost or some, I don't know, a malevolent entity in your home or an object uh, you believe is cursed or possessed or haunted, maybe you've got one of those creepy haunted dolls, uh, Rosemary and I, Rosemary and I, want to hear about it all, and uh, I'm sure if anyone can offer you some sage advice, uh, it's Rosemary. In fact, that sage advice might involve smudging your house with, well, some sage. Actually, that's what they do. Okay, uh, reverse speech. Now, this is a fascinating area of study. Not surprisingly, uh, mainstream science rejects this as pseudoscience. Uh, one has to ask, though, has mainstream science even bothered to study <laughs> David John Oates' findings? I doubt it. Many scientists these days are so narrow-minded, I swear they could see through a keyhole with both eyes. Uh, well, if I, I'm not going to hold my breath. Uh, so let's learn about reverse speech from the man who, as I say, discovered it. David John Oates is the founder, developer of re uh, reverse speech technologies – he was the first person to ever document speech reversals in human speech back in 1983 and has worked extensively since then on research and development, as well as maintaining a therapeutic and consulting practice. He's had an active career spanning 24 years, furthering the field of reverse speech as his full-time occupation. He's developed new theories and designed therapeutic and training techniques. He's published a number of books on reverse speech, including Beyond Backward Masking, Voices from the Unconscious, and It's Only a Metaphor, and numerous tapes and training manuals. He's lectured around the world to crowds of thousands and trained hundreds of students. He's also instigated some of the first mainstream studies and presented reverse speech on thousands of radio shows, including his own show, The David John Oates Reverse Speech Show, that ran successfully for three years syndicated coast-to-coast -coast in the U.S., uh, where he lived for 10 years back in the 1990s. David John Oates, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm doing very well, sir. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to have you. I'm trying to remember, I I believe maybe uh, another show and an, another radio station we talked uh, once before. Oh, really? Uh, if oh. not, if not, it's anyway, regardless, it's long overdue having you on. Good on you. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, it's an amazing field, reverse speech, and I had to chuckle when you said, I wonder if mainstream science has even bothered to look at it. There's been one university that has, that's Monash University in Melbourne, Australia, but other than that, the sceptical reviews that come out, um, you know, I'll ask them, well, have you ever bothered listening to a tape backwards? And they say, well, no, I haven't. I wouldn't mm. even be bothered. I think, well, how can you debunk a phenomenon without even researching it? You know, it's, it's a bit silly, I think. So. Yeah, I mean, they're basically throwing the scientific method right out the window. <laughs> I mean, you've done the experiments, you have the data, you'd think they'd want to look at it. You would think so. Maybe one day. We'll see. We'll see. So the idea that when you're speaking uh, norm, in just normal forward speech, you're actually producing right. two messages. Now, But this isn't happening – constantly right is it is it no. every few sentences at every several times a minute what's the frequency yeah depends on the conversation in normal average conversation they'll be about once every 15 20 seconds of speech once you get to uh, public media and prepared scripts they drop off quite dramatically to once every two or three minutes <clears throat> um this is because reverse speech is coming from the right brain hemisphere and the more right brain 
activity is involved in speech, the more reversals you will get. So in a casual, relaxed conversation, you'll get the once every 15 or 20 seconds. In a heated argument, you can get it once every five seconds. But in media, which tends to be fairly left brain, they drop off quite dramatically. So, now, in this situation where I'm asking you a series of questions, right. would my re- – and I'm not encouraging you to analyze my reverse speech by any stretch, but does a – does an inter interrogative produce reverse speech results if I'm asking a question? Oh yeah. Oh absolutely it will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it 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 will be your reaction to the question, it'll be your reaction to me, what you're thinking at the time, you know. If you're thinking this is interesting, you might get that in reverse. If you're thinking this guy's a bit suspicious and you might get that, you know, and uh, uh, the fact that you're asking a question is irrelevant. It's still gonna contain a reversal. Well, maybe contain a reversal. Like I say, once every 15 or 20 seconds, so that's a whole bunch of gibberish in between. So, Now, how did you – I don't want to, use, I don't want to uh, assume that you stumbled onto it, but what led you to this finding back in 1983? Yeah. Well, I was running a halfway house for street kids. I'm a youth pastor by profession. And uh, and there was an evangelist for the United States traveling through, and he was preaching that rock and roll was the devil's music. And if you played records backwards, you could hear these satanic messages. And some of my kids in the uh, drop-in center were playing their records backwards. They're getting quite scared, and they asked me what I thought of it. And I'm an electronics buff. I'm a ham radio operator, so it was nothing for me to go home and run some taste backwards. And I started running in reverse, mainly to show the kids there was nothing to this. And I'm going, but and I started to hear these phrases in in music at first. And they're going, well, what on earth is this? And uh, it wasn't intentional. Uh, there was no uh, manipulated soundtracks. Uh, it was purely occurring by the way the song was sung at the time. And then I looked at music for about three months, and then I accidentally stumbled across an enormous human speech. And it's one thing to hear it in music, but to suddenly hear it in speech is a whole new ball game altogether. Here, let me play you an example in music. Okay? Yes, yes, uh, please. This is a Creedence Clearwater revival. Oh, one of my faves. It was down in Okay, now there's no superimposed soundtrack there. And no. But you run back, would you hear this really clear phrase, I believe in my cool woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you'd agree that's a, quite a clear phrase. There's no it doubt. Is. No it doubt is. there. And uh, I was documenting these phrases and I was scratching my head and a bit scared to walk in my house at night at times. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that there's nothing satanic in John Fogarty's lyrics. It's very wholesome and, and uh, pure. Yeah. Well, he's a family man. He's been with the same woman for, what, 40 years now. So oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, so I believe in my cool woman is uh, quite a uh, quite a logical thing for him to say. Yeah, but then I started finding it in speech. Let me let me play you, and just a normal example from speech. This is uh, 1996. Bob Dole resigning from the Senate to run against Bill Clinton. So well, let's uh, run this forwards. You do not lay claim to the office you hold. It lays claim to you. 
Your obligation is to bring to it the gifts you can of labor and honesty, and then to depart with grace. Yeah, listen very carefully. See if you can hear what he's saying backwards. I'm going to run it backwards at three speeds. Okay. It's an honor. It's an honor. What do you hear? It's an honor. Honor. Yeah, exactly right. It's an honor. And that's, say, what we call a congruent reversal. He's talking forwards about his uh, passion in working for the Senate. Here, let me run the whole track backwards. And you'll hear the gibberish and then this quiet phrase coming up out of the gibberish. So here we go. It's an honor. Could you hear that in there? It's yes, honor? it's an honor for sure. So th- that's congruent because he's the same meaning frontwards and backwards. Right. Right. Now, let's look at one that's incongruent. This is, uh, this is Hillary Clinton running... You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Here we go. And you know what? It also matters when he makes fun of people with disabilities. <laughs> Calls women pigs. And here she says, and I'll scam you. And I'll scam you. Oh, dear. Here we go. And once again, let's run the whole lot backwards. Listen to this. You hear that just jumps up out of the gibberish there? Yes, yes. Now, how does one rule out because of the just the combination of vowels and sounds and syllables, that it's just chance, that every once in a while you're going to get some backward speech that actually forms a word forward. Sure. Valid question. And that's uh, one of the main questions the skeptics ask me. You know, people don't deny that they exist. The phrases can't be heard. Even the skeptics say, well, those who have bothered to listen to my work will uh, admit that they do exist. But, yeah, it's all coincidence. You take any section of sound and run it backwards by the pure chance you're going to get the odd phrase. Look, these phrases are occurring once every 15 or 20 seconds. They have direct relationship to the forward dialogue. In other words, the subject matter backwards will be the subject matter forwards. Um, uh, what's the odds of such of phrases occurring in grammatically correct sentences at such a frequency that have congruence with the forward dialogue? What's the odds of that here? Let me play let, let me play one. This is this is Donald Trump. I want you to notice he says two words forwards I want you to key in on. <laughs> Hillary and email. Listen to this. Uh, when he gave up that email thing, he t- he said, "Here, Hillary." And you know what? That was orchestrated by the Democratic Party. So Hillary and email, and backwards he says, "Hillary, let's see this email." Hillary, this Oh dear. <laughs> so what's the odds of yes. a phrase backwards? That uses the same words forwards. Right, He'll the context read. is same backwards and forwards. Yeah. It's not like he's saying, I had fish for supper last yeah. night. He's exactly. talking about what he's talking about for in forward speech. Exactly correct. And that's the thing that convinced me back in the early days, was this direct relationship between the forwards and the reverse. David John Oates, the founder of Reverse Speech, the man who discovered reverse speech. He'll be back in a moment and we'll continue this conversation forward back with more of the conspiracy show stay with us providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions this is the conspiracy show with richard sarrett on zoomer radio 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. David John Oates is uh, with us. We're discussing reverse speech. DavidOates.com, O-A-T-E-S, DavidOates.com, the website. Uh, you know, it's fascinating. You were talking about uh, backward masking in, uh, in, in music, and I know uh, you had a, when you were a teenager, you had a rock band of your own, didn't you? You were working on amplifiers, guitar amps, and so forth. Oh, yes, I did indeed. Yes, I was a bass player in the band. Ah, I used to build all the amplifiers for the band. It, yeah, I've been in electronics all my life. I can remember building crystal radio sets when I was five years old. You know. Ah, uh, so, yes, yes, the crystal radio. Yeah. I was I was going to say I have a a new podcast uh, just launched a couple of weeks ago called the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, and I'm oh. going to do an, an episode on on backward masking. So maybe oh. I'll get you on that, and we'll yeah. talk about a little backward masking. Oh, I've got I've got lots of examples of backward. Backward masking, yes, lots of them. Can reverse speech, um, has it been used to aid police in in investigation, perhaps maybe even uh, trying to narrow down a field of of suspects? Right. Uh, Yes, it has, Uh, not as often as I would like. Um, I've been used by the Australian police on a couple of occasions. Um, uh, uh, Both of those are confirmed on my website. Um, and uh, in the Australian police cases, in one case, they found the name of a bank where the uh, suspect had hidden funds, and in another case, they found the location of a murder weapon uh, where the suspect had hidden it. Uh, I did some work for the Dallas police when I lived in Dallas back in the early 90s, but the real big news about reverse speech and police investigation was in the early 90s. I lectured to the CIA on speech and uh, they recently declassified all their work on reverse speech. Ah. Given given me full credit for the discovery and if you Google CIA reverse speech you can go to the listing. And so I've heard consistent reports over the years that the CIA have been using reverse speech and the FBI uh, I can't verify that, although the latest CIA release would tend to validate that, yes, they have been looking into it and using it. So that- I mean, what you would have to be careful, obviously. Uh, I mean, you couldn't. You couldn't convict solely on on that. Oh no! Nor should you. Nor should you. No, 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 no. It's it's an investigative aid. Um, you know, it, it it will lead you to where the evidence that you need is. I don't think anyone should be convicted based on reverse speech. Same as a poly polygraph. It's an investigative aid, and I don't see reverse speech being used in a court of law in, in any time soon. Anyway. You know. If you have someone who is a sociopath, sure, uh, and let's face it, I mean, in order to get to the top in almost any field, you have to have a bit of that. The world I have always maintained is sort of is uh, geared towards in favor of the sociopath, uh, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you have someone who is a sociopath, they have no conscience. They they are able to lie. Uh, in such a way that, 
I mean, they could even they could probably even pass uh, pass a, a, a galvanic skin response test. Would they be able to fool reverse speech? Oh, look, here's a classic example. Here's Charles Manson. Listen, listen mm. to the. It's not me at all, man. That's not me. And here he says, I am a holy man. <laughs> I am a holy man. Not very clear, but is there? Now he's hardly a holy man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so what? What was he saying there in the in backwards? I didn't. I didn't quite get it. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. I am a holy man. Oh, he's do it again. He's saying I am a holy man. Yes. You hear that? He actually believes it. He actually believes it. Yes, he does. There you go. So the backward speech is congruent with the forward speech, right. uh, as one would suspect from a complete sociopath. Right. That's exactly right. Amazing. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Yep. I don't know if you have this one at the ready, but one of the most famous ones uh, comes from Neil Armstrong. And, of course, we've talked about the possibility of a lunar landing hoax and so forth. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't uh, want to put you on the spot, but if you do, you have that one? Uh, well, I've got the Neil Armstrong one, and I got a whole bunch of reversals on the lunar landing, ah. which, I, which I will have to hunt for. But I, I should be able to put it on pretty quickly. This one on the moon landing is the very first reversal I ever heard in human speech. So this is actually a very historic example. And I'll tell you the story once I play yes. the. Yes. Here's so here's the forwards. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for man. Backwards, he says, man will spacewalk. <laughs> Very clear reversal. Yes. Now, I, now, when I found that reversal, I had got a tape, a compilation of famous radio broadcasts. I was, I was actually looking for music from the 50s and 30s and 40s. And I was running the whole tape backwards, and I heard this really clear phrase, spacewalk. I go, oh, what's that? And I played it forward and heard Neil Armstrong. I go, oh, my mm. God. And see, I heard the, the reversal before I heard the forwards on that example, and that was actually quite a that was actually quite a stunning example. And uh, well, I don't uh, think anybody would ever accuse Neil Armstrong of being a sociopath. Uh, so, I mean, th- th- and there's congruency there. So, what does that tell tell us? That all right? Uh, okay. Well, we, then let's well then let's play some reversal, shall we? Hmm. Okay. Let's. Uh, where will I start? Um, okay, here's Neil Armstrong describing how he land the lunar mission. The moon has no atmosphere, so you're flying in a vacuum, and the gravity is much lower. Right. So the characteristics of a flying machine in that environment are very different than they are here on Earth. And here he says, you land that mission now. You hear that? Yes, yes. So that was seen to be a congruent reversal. It would. It would. And here he's talking about, where's the one I'm looking for? You caught me off the hop on this. I wasn't expecting to play Neil Armstrong. You were, you were doing it very adeptly with no with no notice. No, and I'm trying to find the really one I'm looking for, and I can't see it. We can it. come back to it. We can come back to it. No pressure. Oh, all right. Well, here's one here. Here's just a... 
Oops, that one failed. That one failed on me. Um, uh, oh, oh, yeah, here's one here. here. Now, of course, the uh, lunar landing module was called the LEM, the Lunar Exploration yes. Module. And here he's talking about putting the plaque, the, the plaque on the LEM, from the LEM. Neil is now unveiling the plaque. That is- uh, Neil is now unveiling the plaque, and backwards he says, off from your LEM. Off from your LEM. Very clear. Off from your limb. Mm. And another congruent reversal, okay? Yes. And so, and, uh, okay, here's another another one. This is uh, Buzz Aldrin. The, uh, the blue color of my boots have uh, completely disappeared now into this um, I don't know exactly what color to describe this other than bayish cocoa color. So he's talking about walking on the surface, and here he right. said, but there's dark, see the dust. But there's dark, see the dust. But there's dark, see the dust. You hear that there? Uh, yes, yes. So again, congruency. Another congruent reversal. Yeah, and uh, I believe we did go to the moon based on the reversals. Uh, now, you talk about the Kennedy assassination, you want some conspiracies. Oh, oh That's oh, why oh. we're here, my friend. I can give you some conspiracies from hell on the Kennedy assassination. We've done a lot of work on the Kennedy assassination. And, uh, and whose speech did you analyze for the Kennedy assassination? Oh. A whole lot. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, JFK, uh, Jake Hoover, uh, 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 Dallas, uh, all of them. And uh, and I've pretty well uncovered exactly what's what's happened. I haven't planned to go on the show, but uh, um, I can tell you who the real killer of JFK was. Uh, maybe see. we should. Well, listen. Maybe we should make this that a part two. Maybe we'll have to bring you back, and we'll just do simply the JFK, and that'll give you time to. All right, Leo, let's do that. Yeah, schedule me for another show, and we'll do a whole show on show on JFK. You're- that would be fabulous. Yeah. Uh, now, how would a um, let's see someone conducting an interview for a uh, a job, a high powered, very important position? Right. Um, how would they utilize reverse speech? What, what should they be looking for? Well, it just so happens I do a lot of corporate consulting work, and I um, I analyze prospective employees um, and give a re- report back to the employer, personality profile. Um, uh, the employers will ask the prospective employees a series of questions. I've uh, given some questions to follow. Uh, they'll send me the recording, I'll analyse the tape, and I'll get a fairly good idea whether the employee is going to be right for the job or not. Uh, another thing I do a lot of, too, if uh, people are going into business ventures, I just did one just this weekend, a uh, man in Australia buying a post office and wanted to know whether that business would be a success or not. And so we sit down and talk on the tape, and uh, we'll see, now we're getting the deep reverse speech theory. Reverse speech taps into the collective unconscious, universal knowledge, and it will tell us uh, whether that deal will work or not, whether it will be a success or not. Um, and you so the applications in business are just staggering, stunning stuff. How? What does this tell us about... The, the the human mind the the oh. um, what does this tell us about what you know the subconscious mind 
Oh, good question. Good question indeed. We are uh, we are multifaceted beings with layers of consciousness that go on for endless, go on forever. The conscious mind is probably five percent of all speech reversals I find are from the conscious mind, which is a very small scattering of reversals by far the vast majority coming from the unconscious, and they speak in metaphor and archetype. Um, at the deepest levels. Beyond that, it will come from the spirit itself. You can hear the voice of the spirit speaking. Uh, let me give you an example of that. Uh, here we have a man who's got financial problems and he's talking to his tape recorder looking for answers. Does it further for us to put more energy and money and <clears throat> effort? Backwards, he says, you're frightened. Lean on me. You're frightened. Lean on me. That is crystal clear. Isn't that clear, hey? That is his spirit talking to him and saying, I know you're frightened, I know you're upset, lean on me. And at the deepest levels, reverse speech is the spirit speaking. And so there's multi-layers of consciousness speaking in reverse speech, not just one layer, but multi-layers. And uh, um, it shows us that uh, there is a far more to our psyche than just our conscious mind. There is an independent intelligence uh, r running inside of us, outside of our conscious awareness. And it's this independent intelligence that is creating the reverse speech. What if you were to tap into uh, someone's subconscious, let's say, while they're in a hypnotic state? Oh, right. What happens then if they you're already suppressing the conscious mind and you're and they're they're talking forward obviously does that mean they'll reveal more in their backward speech Right well I'm a hip hypnotherapist and I, I do this a lot uh, yeah the, the reversals under hypnosis are clearer and more fre frequent some of the crystal uh, isn't that interesting fascinating What about children before they learn to speak when they're babbling and they're learning vowels and sounds and so forth, do we get backwards reverse speech from from the from them? We, we certainly do. You're tapping on to one of my favourite subjects, and that reversals in children. Children are speaking back before they do forwards. Here, here's a four-month-old child babbling. <laughs> You run it backwards, you hear the gibberish, followed by yes. hello. Oh, dear Lord. And amazing. I'll, uh, I'll do that again. And let me play you probably one of my favourite ones of all on kids. This is my daughter. She was playing in a bathtub. And uh, she was trying to pick up a cup, and she couldn't pick it up, so she reaches out to me for help. So here's the forwards. Back because she says, David, help me. Isn't that amazing, hey? Isn't that's that mind blowing. That is it's, mind blowing. I know it's incredible stuff. Yeah, this is the most amazing phenomenon. I'm a, I, to, to, 
I'm fr I'm stunned that after 35 years of doing this, uh, it's not more well known than it is now. It's a little bit puzzling to me. Why not? I've certainly got all the evidence to validate it. I'll say. Listen, we'll take another time out. Incidentally, I could listen to that four-month-old babbling all night long. I just love that sound. <laughs> anyway, we'll come back. David John Oates is with us, the founder, discoverer of Reverse Speech. We'll open up the phone call of the lines as well. If you'd like to call in with a question or comment, back with more in a moment. Don't go away. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. On Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416 360 or toll free at 1 866 740 Welcome back. David John Oates is with us. Just a reminder, coming up in the second hour, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal investigator extraordinaire, will be with us. And uh, have your questions, comments ready, particularly if you feel uh, that you have some sort of a, uh, a malevolent entity in your house, a ghost problem, if you will, a haunted object. Uh, maybe you recently, maybe you're a bit of an antiquer and you just brought something into the house and ever since then, You've had a string of bad luck. We'll get into all of that with Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Right now, a fascinating gentleman and a most fascinating field, reverse speech. The discoverer of reverse speech, uh, David John Oates, is with us. Uh, we were talking about uh, children and their reverse speech uh, before the break. The other aspect of this I think would be interesting to know about is different uh, foreign languages. So, I mean, and this would be would further corroborate, I would think, that this isn't just some happenstance or peculiarity of the English language, that if you had someone speaking Korean or uh, Indonesian or Hindi and you still get the same reverse speech phenomena happening. Is that the case? Does it work in other languages, David? Oh, did we lose David? I think perhaps we did. Let me just find out what's going on back at the shop there. I'm just going to ask Ian, did we lose David John Oates? All right. If so, we will get him back on. Uh, hey, just a reminder. I mentioned my uh, my new podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. And um, that is available it drops every Wednesday, a new episode. Every Wednesday, it's on the Westwood uh, One uh, network and also uh, Chris Jericho's network, the Jericho network. So I hope you get a chance to listen to that, the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. Uh, just Google it, uh, but it's, it's basically available everywhere. And uh, in addition to that... Uh, of course, my other podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, and new episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And here's a, a bit of exciting news. We've only been up and running with the new podcast since December the 4th. We're already at about, 
I think just a shy or or a tad under one quarter of a million downloads. Not bad. Not bad. A quarter million downloads for Conspiracy Unlimited. Again, new episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, Do we have David Oates back yet? Hmm. How about you, Ian? Are you hearing me? Oh, okay. So I'm still on the air. We just don't have David back yet. All right. Well, we'll get him. Uh, we'll also we'll also open up the uh, up the uh, the phone uh, the phone lines. And if you have a question or comment about reverse speech, would love to hear from you. And of course, uh, just a reminder. Uh, oh, we do have one. Just a, a reminder. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is coming up in the next hour. Uh, Greg is in Toronto. Hello, Greg. Yes, uh, Richard, uh, David. Good evening. It's uh, very intriguing to listen to you, gentlemen. We're uh, we're trying desperately to get David back on the uh, on the line, but um, I, you had a question for Greg or a I'm comment. Sorry, the difficulty. What was your uh, your question or comment? Yes, I wanted to see if he could relate to past lives in this regard. Uh, any data could be forthcoming in that area. Oh, that is fascinating. Fascinating. So, in other words, if someone were undergoing a past life regression through hypnosis. Well, that's uh, a good start. Then... Yes. Hello. Ah, yes. we do. We have David back. Hello. David, welcome back. Hey, I don't know what happened then. I was saying hello. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Here that's we all right. Are. We have a great question from Greg, and he yes. wanted to know about the use of reverse speech analysis with someone um, who believes they've undergone a past life. Oh, very good question. Um, yes, indeed. Uh, re- look. Reverse speech uh, uh, does not confirm or deny the existence of past lives. But what it does say is the records are sealed. We've tried going into past lives many, many times and got no answers. Reversals have come back and said, don't go there. So there you go. That's that's the answer. Wait, are you serious? The reverse speech said, don't go there? Exactly correct. The records are sealed. We've tried many times, numerous times, and with not just me but other analysts as well, and gotten the same, same answers. Yes, and, and that's the answer. The records are sealed, or don't go there. Correct. Yes. Oh indeed. my word! <laughs> now, it doesn't deny the existence of reincarnation. It's just saying it's this. You are not supposed to ex- explore it. That's what it's right. saying. Right. And that perhaps is the soul voice speaking. That's the soul voice speaking. Yes. Yes. You opened up one heck of a can of worms with this, didn't you? Oh, I know I did. I gulped when you asked me that question. I thought, oh, my God, there's no way I can answer this and not get into trouble. (laughs) No, you're not in trouble. It's uh, to me. It just it's it's uh, it's just absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, it is. Mind blowing. And to to ask your question on other languages. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, we've looked at three other languages so far, French, uh, French, uh, Spanish, and German. We've found in each of those languages, if people are bilingual, we've found them speaking in both languages backwards, both languages that they're congruent with. We've also found English with another language forwards. Now, here's one from a translator at a NATO conference. Listen, she's speaking Chinese, I think. Mm. And back, she says, Nasty Hope was NATO, yes. Nasty Hope was NATO, yes. 
Now, obviously, she's bilingual because she's a translator. Yes. Yeah. Oh, isn't that fascinating? So because people often, they'll think in one language while speaking in another, and that's coming through in the reverse speech. Exactly right. Yes. What does mainstream science do with that, I wonder? Oh, I know. I've opened up a Pandora's box. I really <laughs> have. Yeah. Let's work Walt in London in here. Walt, good, mo- uh, good evening. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good evening. Hi, Hi Walt. How are you? I just want to comment on the Kennedy uh, information. Oh, yes. What would you like to know? I can't give too much away. You'd have to wait till the show. Well, Richard's <laughs> a wonderful host, but sometimes I wonder what he's doing. <laughs> How many people have said they have information and never get it out? <laughs> oh, I see. Please play at least one one clip for us. I'll be happy to tune in for the rest on the next show. All right. Yeah, I think that's fair. Dorothy killed th- Allen, who was going to blow the lid off the thing. That's I think that's fair. fair. I, we, I, we'll, we'll tease them with one. Uh, David, what do you say? Please do. Please uh, do. We'll tease them with one clip. Let me just get up my JFK file. Here we go, JFK session. Oh, I know what. I got the perfect clip to tease you with. This is, uh, this is Lee Harvey Oswald after he was arrested. Okay? Mm-hmm. So here, here it is. I didn't shoot anybody, sir. I haven't been told what I'm here for. Do you have a lawyer? No, sir, I don't. Backwards, he says, all three men are walking. All three men are walking. So what three men is he talking about? The three hobos, three assassins? Stay tuned. I'll tell you who the three men are. Oh, my word. That's uh, that's pretty clear. You know, we we do shows from time to time on on EVPs, electronic oh, voice yeah. phenomena, and yeah. you don't you don't get anything that clear most of the time. I would say, you know, 90 percent of the time they're what they would call like a class B or a C. Very rarely do you get a, a class A. But these are all, I would say. 90% crystal clear. All right. Uh, stay put, David. We'll, um, we'll duck away momentarily, come back, and finish up with some more reverse speech examples. David John Oates, the founder of Reverse Speech. Back with more in a moment. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Well, this has just been uh, mind-blowing to me. Uh, just fascinating. David John Oates is with us and uh, discovered reverse speech back in 1983. Uh, now, David, you were a you were a stutterer as, uh, as a as a young man. Yes, if, it was. If someone has a speech impediment, will that affect the backward speech? Uh, you'll tend to find more reversals on the actual stutter itself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. I- yeah, I had quite a severe stutter. Point of fact, it's only been in the last few years that I've really gotten over it. You can still hear a bit of it in my voice every now and then. But, um, but yeah. And so you're saying that that the stutter will produce more 
Yes, it will. Yeah. Well, well, look, if you ever listen to anyone talk for any period of time, just concentrate on their speech. You'll notice it's full of pauses and stutters and stammers and tonal alterations, and we don't even think about it. But those little inconsistencies of speech actually contribute to the speech reversal. So the stutters and stammers are actually there to help create the reversals. Does that make ah. sense? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, what what's next in in uh, researching reverse speech? Where do you want to take this to the next level? Where is that? Oh boy! Oh boy! There's two two ways I can answer that. Um, look, uh, we've just we've just released our. We, I want to make the technology as widely as available as we possibly can. Um, we've just released our app for the iPhone. And uh, you can get that by going to the App Store and searching for iReverse Speech. Um, Android's coming out in a couple of months. And uh, the next step after that is speech recognition. We, uh, we want to develop a uh, app that you will hold up in your hand on your phone and it'll print out the forwards and print out the reverse. And then we're really looking at mind reading. Then you've got that puts reverse speech into the 21st century that mm-hmm. gets an app, app of course just a matter of time before you have to have an app yeah so that's where we're going um you know i i want to do more 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 uh, more controlled tests to validate its existence i've done several already they're all on my website part of me wonders why i do it though because no one ever reads them so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> what else do you have for us do you have um Another reverse speech? Sure. Let me see. Uh, let me uh, go to my examples I had prepared for you. And um, Okay, look, let's look at some of the applications in therapy. I use it in therapy quite a lot. Here's a woman who had money problems. Let's uh, ah. run, run this forwards. She and I need to work this issue out, but I, it started to bring up all my money fears and stuff. And the thing is, is I, if I know I start sourcing fear again, I'm going to go... Yeah, no, you don't want to do that. she says, work on my grief. Work on my grief. Ah. And this is her unconscious coming back and telling me that in order to solve her money problems, we have to work on grief issues, okay? And that's one of the amazing things about reverse speech and therapy is it will tell us what causes a problem, in many cases, tell us how to fix it and how to work with it. Oh, isn't that fascinating? Yeah, and I get just stunning results in therapy. Our lives changed and turned around because... Um, because uh, uh, it, it takes the guesswork out of it. It's not the therapist diagnosing the problem or giving you the solution. It's you. It's your own spirit, your own unconscious that is diagnosing and giving the problem. So you know, if you were to go back to this uh, this patient and say, well, you're, in your reverse speech, you're saying that you need to work on grief. How did she res- How would she respond? Would she be taken aback? Would she acknowledge that that was true? I- well, I remember this case. She knew exactly what I was talking about. It goes back to uh, a very sad and lonely childhood, which has created her problems to this to this day. And I find that 90% of all the issues I work with go back to child childhood. It's absolutely stunning. Some issue in childhood. And childhood is the most informative years. It, it's so important. Yeah. The idea that... As you said earlier, when we were talking about children, we actually learn to speak backwards before we learn to speak forwards. Uh Is it possible at some point during 
human development that that's we actually spoke backwards? Oh, whoa, because that's a philosophical question, that one. <laughs> many, many reverse speech people will tell you that we spoke in metaphor and backwards before the Tower of Babel, the, uh, uh-huh. the Old Testament story where God confused all the languages. I don't know, it's just a mythology, you know, but uh, I don't know, maybe we did at one stage. I, I, that's how could we find out? I don't know. Mm. Uh, now, the um, I, b- I believe it's the Episcopalians. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, there may be other denominations, and one of the, the uh, things they do from time to time is speak in tongues. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, have you ever analyzed someone's – well, it's I don't know if you can even call that forward speech, but what would uh, happen if you were to place someone speaking in tongues backwards? Well, actually, I was a pastor of a Pentecostal church when I discovered reverse speech. <laughs> <laughs> So they were right into speaking. I in was t- just going on out on a limb there. No, well, and uh, what I found on speaking tongues scared the Dallas out of me. They were all occultic. They were uh, I, I worshiping Satan. I'm a demon monster. They were just uh, uh, put me. I've never spoken in tongues since. It uh, scared the Dallas out of out of me. They were all very deep occultic messages back backwards. Oh my word. Mm. I had no idea. Uh, Isn't that amazing that uh, I was just going, that was kind of a flyer, and uh, lo and behold, you are a pastor in the Episcopalian Church. Uh, We have time for a couple more if you've got one handy. Oh, I got a great one. I want you to listen to the emotion in this. I want to talk about how how the soul speaks in reverse. This is Mm. me. This is uh, me um, in the deep period of pain in my life. Um, my son had just died. Um, we won't go into all the things that happened to me. And oh, dear. I'm talking, talking on tape about why am I so depressed. And I'm saying, well, I'm very sensitive to energy. Maybe that's why. So here's the forwards. Could be. Yeah, could be. Well, see, I'm very sensitive to energy. You know, I'm ultra-sensitive. And backwards I say, my soul give the pain. And I want you to listen to the emotion in the reversal. Oh, Lord. Hear that? Yes, yes. I'm crying from my soul. My soul itself is in agony. Yes. No no hint of that at all in the forward speech. No, none whatsoever. No, none none whatsoever. And uh, just and well we'll soon we played this one. Let's let's look at the real depth of reverse speech. This is uh, me on another on a radio show and I'm talking about the spiritual aspects of reverse speech. Listen listen to this. So sometimes people ask me, does reverse speech endorse any particular religion? And the answer to that is no. There are no deities or religions that reverse speech endorses or says this is right or this is wrong. It, it just talks about the soul and the endlessness of life. And, uh, and that in itself is, is very powerful. Indeed. And this speech reversal here shows us the depth that reverse speech comes from. And backwards, I say, it's the voice in heaven. Yes, the voice in heaven. <laughs> the voice in heaven. That's what reverse speech is. The voice in heaven. It's a voice in heaven. Kingdom of heaven resides inside, and reverse speech is the voice of the heart or the voice of the soul. Fascinating. Um, Are there some people, do you think, who have the ability, minus an app, 
minus any software, who can hear someone's forward speech and understand what they're saying backwards? Well, there's two ways to answer that question. We're hearing reversals unconsciously all the time anyway. We've got instances Mm. of entire conversations going backwards. Um, EEG tests are modeled of the brain responding to reversals. So we know we're hearing it and responding. Now, under certain hypnotic conditions, I've managed to teach the conscious mind to hear the reversals. I think that in some cases where people are hearing voices, they're locked up in institutions, there's a miswiring in the brain and they're actually hearing the backward speech. So um, that's a possibility. Who's, who's, they're hearing whose backward speech? Oh, the people who are talking to them. You know, they, they say they hear voices. Are they ah, I see hear what you're saying. The reverse speech. I don't know. It's just a theory. I don't know. But generally, no, we, we can't hear it consciously, but we're hearing it unconsciously. This is uh, this is absolutely remarkable. I, I have to tell you. Uh, I mean, I've 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 uh, I've never I've never imagined, uh, you know, that reverse speech could have such a profound implication. I, I mean, for some people, it might it sounds like a party trick. You know, oh, isn't that amusing? But to to hear the backward speech and it is it is it is in context with what is being said forward. I mean, I don't know how much longer mainstream media can or mainstream science can can ignore this. I don't think they can. No, I'll just keep on beating the drum and, you know, yeah, I don't know how they can. I look, I've got 35 years of research. I've got millions of reversals on my computer. I mean, millions. I mean, you know, they can't all be imagination and coincidence, you know. David, if people want to contact you, uh, do you do you consult? Uh, yeah. Are you available for cons- consultations? How do they do yeah. that? Yes, I certainly am. Let me get a phone number out, okay? It's yes. uh, 503- Yes. It's 568- Seven zero seven seven. That's now. That's do they need the country code? Uh, is it or is that the U.S.? That's, that's the U.S. number. Yeah, ah. yeah. It rings at my desk in Australia too. So let me get the number out again. It's five zero three five six eight seven zero seven seven. Great, David. What a pleasure. Uh, and uh, let's arrange to do part two on the JFK assassination, the reverse speech edition. That will be fantastic. Okay, can't thank- wait. Can't wait. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. See you. Bye-bye. All right. When we come back, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, haunted objects and problem ghosts, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't... You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. And a big howdy 
To all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in Toronto. Hi to all of you listening in via one of our affiliate stations. And last week, we added a new one, KDETAM, KDETAM in Shreveport, Louisiana. And um, I think I mentioned that last week, but this is the week they're actually, uh, this coming Sunday, they'll actually begin to air The Conspiracy Show. And KDETAM will begin, or they'll, they'll play it Sunday nights, or Sunday afternoons, rather, from 4 to 6 p.m. So... Uh, thank you so much, KDETAM, for adding us to your uh, your weekly schedule. Hi to all of you watching us on the uh, the live YouTube stream, and hi to all of you in the uh, the live YouTube chat. Uh, to those listening via the Conspiracy Show app and the Zoomer Radio Show app, both free downloads. However, and wherever you're listening or watching, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes. And I thank you for your fine company. And again, uh, don't forget my new podcasts, Conspiracy Unlimited. We're closing in on a quarter of a million downloads, and we just launched in early December. Uh, my new podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone on Westwood One and the Jericho Network. Uh, Chris Jericho's podcast, uh, Talk is Jericho, incidentally, drops every Wednesday and Friday. And his most recent episode, which dropped uh, this past Friday, uh, features yours truly. Chris was kind enough to uh, interview me about uh, the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, and he's just been uh, great and very supportive and very welcoming. Chris Jericho, uh, one of the good guys. You know, I love it when great things happen to really good people. All right. A couple of years ago, well, more than a couple, I would say j- just after the mighty Aphrodite and I were married in 2000, uh, we used to, you know, scour the flea markets and, and buy the odd antique. And um, I remember one of our first purchases was a, a bonnet chest. And um, a bonnet chest, you know, it's a, it's not like a regular chest of drawers. They have very deep drawers because they would hold bonnets, which were, you know, tended to be kind of tall. And this bonnet chest, beautiful. We loved it immediately and brought it home. And uh, we did the one thing you're not supposed to do with antique furniture. We had it refinished, right? That's a no-no. I understand. But it looks beautiful. Uh, we still have it. But... We were living up in Unionville in a very big house, and we just had our um, our twin boys. So this is 2006, 2007. And I remember uh, walking up into the uh, the upstairs in the hallway, and I would I would uh, pace, you know, up and down that hall with uh, with the little babies, trying to get them to settle down and put them to sleep, and. Uh, I remember the, there was a bedroom that we used as a guest bedroom at the far end of the hall. And the door was closed and the cold air was coming from underneath the door. And um, I thought, what the heck is that? If we left a window open? So I went in there and the windows were closed. And it wasn't even a particularly cold night. I mean, there was no frost on the window. It was, a, it was like an autumn night. And it was just really cold and i checked to make sure that the uh the the the, um the radiator uh the heating duct was open and it was Uh, and there was some heat coming out of there but the room was just deathly cold and um so i i went down the hall with the baby put him down both babies were asleep 
And I just remember I went back to that room and I, I shouted, I said, I don't know who you are or what you want. I said, get out. And I recited the Jesus prayer many times. Uh, and eventually that room warmed up. Now, I don't know. Was I just imagining? Was it lack of sleep of a new parent? Who knows? But I wonder if maybe all those antiques I, we were bringing into the house, there weren't a lot, a few pieces, whether we brought something was uh, sort of hitching a ride. Uh, well, we're going to uh, talk about uh, haunted objects and uh, problem ghosts over the next hour. And we invite you to the phones as well if you have a problem ghost. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, of course, joins us the second Sunday of every month. She's a best-selling author, researcher, investigator in the paranormal, metaphysical and related fields, including afterlife studies, spirit communication, cryptids, alien contact, you, may, you name it. I mean, she does it. She's just a one-stop shop, uh, an encyclopedia of information. And um, the, the, the list of books is too numerous uh, to mention. Um, she's got uh, The Road to Strange and... Uh, Demon Haunted, two stories from the John Zaffis Vault, the Zozo Phenomena, Calling Upon Angels, uh, Major Encyclopedias, the Encyclopedia of Magic and Alchemy, the Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Spirits, of Demons and Demonology, Talking to the Dead, which she co-authored with my colleague George Norrie. Uh, it's always a delight. I always learn so much when she drops by and she's back for the hour. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hi, Richard. Well, I'm doing well, and uh, always a pleasure to be on the show. What an interesting story you told. Yeah, I, um, I don't, I wouldn't, I won't say I forgot about it, but I just kind of parked it um, in my, I guess, back in, my, in the deep recesses of my reptilian brain for some reason, <laughs> because I don't really know if anything was going on. But I just remembered the other day. Yeah, I, I got really angry in that room. Particularly because I had two little ones, you know. So, what do you think, based well, on that it, story? It, it, it's possible that something did come in on one of those old pieces. It does happen, and uh, sometimes it's um, nothing more than than just some leftover emotional uh, imprints from previous owners, and um, not necessarily a, a negative spirit. But uh, spirits can attach to. Um, objects as well. Um, we have a lot of antiques in our house, and um, something came along with uh, one of the pieces we bought a few years ago, and um, it was active for several years in um, oh, just sort of a trickster sort of way, and then um, either it went away or, or it just ran out of juice, uh, because we haven't had anything in a while. But what you did with getting angry, I call that righteous anger. Uh -huh. And I tell people that sometimes that's what it takes to expel uh, something unwanted um, because, um, you know, they, they don't, whatever is unwanted in your environment or around you does not have the right to be there. And uh, asking it to go sometimes won't work, but righteous anger will um, send energy to it to push it out and yeah I, have done I remember trick in your case i guess so i was so angry it actually overcame my fear mm -hmm. uh, i just you know as well uh, people who uh you know when you have children you sometimes i remember my mother always says this uh because my mother is well she's 93 this june but she, and she's like four foot eleven 
Uh, but she always said when, you know, when we, she had, there were five of us. And when she saw someone who was trying to mess around with us or whatever, or she didn't, she got upset because of someone else was doing something that she didn't like concerning us. She said, I became this mama bear. I grew six feet. And um, and I understand that now, you know, so you can you, you certainly can as a parent, you rise above your your fear. And I got angry. What do you think about the, the use of the Jesus prayer? Uh, prayer is very effective. And uh, when people use prayers that have been uh, used by millions and millions of people over many, many years, it's a very powerful battery. It's like a thought form energy. So you're tapping into a collective as well, as well as aligning yourself with higher spiritual forces. So prayers are often very effective for people. And um, I always tell people if, if they are going to use prayer, recite something they're familiar with that has emotional meaning to them. Because if you recite a prayer that someone tells you to, to recite because it's really a good one and you have no connection to it, it's not going to be as effective as if you're putting a lot of emotional energy into it. It's just like that righteous anger. Um, that's sometimes what it takes. I forget who I was talking uh, to, whether it was on the podcast or this show, and we were talking about something like that, uh, and it was um, it was like that scene. Do you remember that movie Fright Night? And this vampire befriends the mother of this teenager, and she invites the vampire in. And once you do that, of course, uh, the vampire can come and go as he pleases. And uh, the vampire was attacking this this teenage boy and, and he tried to hold up the cross and the vampire just smiled and shook his head and said sorry not going to work with me you have to believe that's right you have to believe and uh, in the paranormal circles um, it's been popular to uh, recite a catholic prayer uh, to the archangel saint michael for protection and mm. um, here again it's like it, it has to mean something to you uh, and uh, so I've always told people that's a wonderful prayer, but if you've never used it in the past and it isn't part of your spiritual practice, you'd be better off switching to the Lord's Prayer or a, a childhood prayer or something like that that um, has that emotional connection for you. Right. Now, let's say you're an avid uh, antiquer and you've, your house is chock-a-block with this stuff, uh, and then you have this, suddenly you have this problem uh, some entity or energy. Is there a method of narrowing it down as to what piece? I mean, there's, you know, if you had a gas leak, you get a gas meter or some, a gas detector or something. Is there something that you can use to find out what piece is causing the problem? Well, what I tell people um, is to pinpoint the time when the problem starts. When did you first start noticing troublesome phenomena? And what changed in your environment at the same time? Uh, did you bring anything into the house? Did you acquire anything? Uh, was there some sort of emotional shift in a relationship? And quite often that will, will uh, identify the culprit right there. Uh, now, if people have um, brought a number of pieces in at the same time, then it's a process of elimination. Uh, and I also find that uh, people often know when something is energetically off when they acquire it. It's got some different feel to them, um, but they're attracted to the object for other reasons, um, and they have to have it. 
but they know that there's something very strange about it. And so that will often help to identify it. Um, when investigators come in to, uh, to try and identify the source of a problem, um, if they are skilled in psychometry, that is sensitivity to touch, then touching objects, even a piece of furniture, may provide clues. And so w once the object is identified, uh, then it's important to get it out of the house. And so if it can be put in a garage or taken outside, uh, you have to evaluate things in terms of, uh, well, do people want to keep it? Is it, you know, valuable? And so should we try and get rid of whatever is attached to it and cleanse it so it can be brought back into the house? Sometimes people just want to get rid of something altogether. But uh, taking it outside uh, of the house will then move the attachment and the activity uh, outside as well. And then the object can be treated. Um, That's right. Let the barn cats deal with it. Exactly. All right, Rosemary, stay, <laughs> stay put. We'll come back in a moment. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, the website visionaryliving.com. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Uh, welcome back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us. Our paranormal investigator joins us this time every month, and she's with us for the full hour. And we're going to open up the phone lines and take calls, questions, comments. If you have a haunted object or something you suspect may be haunted uh, or uh, possessed, uh, or in general, if you just have a, a maybe a problem ghost, a, a, a bad vibe, an energy in the house, and you'd like to know what you can do about it, Rosemary is uh, the person to speak to. Uh, you mentioned something earlier I found fascinating, and that is that uh, you, you compared sort of the residual energy uh, almost like a battery, and it eventually runs out. So... We're talking about uh, a haunting that has, there's no consciousness to it. It's just sort of a, a, a playback loop, a memory or something that's stored in an object. How, do you, how does that happen? How does an object store a memory and does, does certain materials store memories better than others? Well, the answer to the second question first is yes. And... Um uh, metal holds uh, energy very, very well. Stone does, and um, like crystals, uh, semi-precious stones, jewelry, for example, uh, is a very good holder of energy, and many people feel very emotionally connected to uh, their jewelry. But when I view psychometry, for example, in, in uh, readings and investigations, uh, I usually ask to hold something metal that uh, the person owns, um, usually a ring, a watch, jewelry, even car keys, because we're emotionally attached to our cars. And uh, it seems that when we handle things uh, and we own things and we like them and use them, uh, that emotional energy gets 
uh, transferred to objects, and they can hold that energy. Uh, but it, it is limited, and this is also applies to hauntings in general because they're imprints. They're like recordings and, you know, old photographs. They fade over time. Uh, magnetic tape deteriorates over, the ta- over time. Well, that's the way it is with residual hauntings as well, which is why a lot of very old, famous ghosts um, that uh, might have been active uh, hundreds of years ago uh, are not often seen or experienced today. So the energy gets used up, and um, sometimes uh, when something attaches to an object or, or there's an emotional uh, residue, let's say, uh, it could be dormant for a while, and uh, someone else comes along and buys that object in a secondhand store, an antique store, and they start using it and liking it and appreciating it and putting emotional energy into it, that can awaken what's uh, dormant in, uh, in an object. Um, John Zappas and I, as you, as you know, we've investigated uh, mm-hmm. lots of cases of haunted objects, and some of them quite problematic, where unhappy emotions were attached to things. And that unhappiness then started affecting the new owners. Usually things are... are rather benign. Uh, They might cause some unpleasant phenomena like what you experienced uh, or something that's kind of annoying. But um, depending upon the energy and and what it is that's lodged in an object, and sometimes spirits lodge in objects too, um, then it calls for some more remedial action. I'm just thinking now whether we were, I, I know from a, an investment point of view, you're not supposed to refinish uh, antique furniture, uh, but is it possible that refinishing a, an antique piece of furniture could stir up that residual haunting, or could it even erase it? Both could happen. And in fact, when people go into older homes and renovate, uh, sometimes they will experience Uh, an onset of activity. Whatever has been lodged there gets stirred up by the renovation. And then uh, I've also had cases where people have moved into old homes and they've got a resident ghost or, you know, residual energy and they're comfortable with it. And then they decide to renovate and that destroys the energy. Uh, Mm. So both of those things can happen. And you don't know until you you start doing something, um, some activity in a house, which way it's going to go. Now, there is the residual uh, ghost, which is just a memory. It doesn't have consciousness. But an object can also be, uh, I'll use the word possessed. I don't know if that's the word you would use. But an actual conscious entity can take up residence in an object, correct? Yes, that does happen. Uh, I think that, um, you know, we attract spirits um, throughout life. Um, A lot of them are just low-level spirits. Um, Many of them are not harmful, but um, they can be attracted to our emotional states. And uh, in certain cases, that enables them to take up residence in an object. Uh, Sometimes people, through uh, ritual practices, uh, will attract uh, spirits. We've got, uh, John and I have some cases in, in our books about uh, people picking up um, objects that were used in uh, summoning rituals without realizing it. And of course, a summoning ritual would be intended to call spirits in. 
And um, over the course of time, spirits can not go away. They can stay, and they can lodge in that object. Now, uh, another tricky thing here, Richard, is that not everybody is going to awaken residual energy. And it, it seems to be that human consciousness is a real wild card here. Uh, because uh, somebody could go and buy um, a, a second-hand object that has residual energy or an attachment to it and not ever experience a thing. But another person could take that same object home and start having all kinds of things break out. It depends on, I think, the energy in the home environment, the energy in the land. And then certain people just seem to have something in their field of consciousness that uh, interacts with these things more easily than others. All right, let's go to the phones, and we have, I understand, an unnamed caller, someone wishing to be anonymous. So if uh, that's you, caller, please go ahead. You're on the line with Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Hi. Um, yeah, I've had uh, what I would call demonic visions for the last, I don't know, five or six years of my life. Uh, the last one I had was about nine months ago. Um Whenever I get these things, I'll hear a ringing in my head. Uh, usually as it gets louder, my vision will go black. And then sometimes I see things in there, sometimes not. Uh, the most horrifying one, probably, you know, that, that was uh, over a year ago now. Um, I was approached by a bull that demanded I worship him. A bull? So, yeah. Okay. Um, um Oh, sorry, go ahead. Did, did they, go ahead. Well, no, let me get the expert in here. Uh, Rosemary, what do you make of that? Uh, well, usually these things have some sort of cause or origin, uh, why they're happening. There's an onset uh, to them, uh, and if somebody wants to get rid of them or eradicate them, then you have to find that point of origin and cause, uh, which can then help. Uh, in determining the remedies that uh, that are uh, possible, so I'm not quite I, certain exactly how he's defining demonic vision uh, and what the meaning of that is, uh, and what the you know what are the circumstances under which these things happen. And um, another thing that we also look at in investigating these cases is what's going on in a person's life. Uh, while these experiences are happening and what was going on when the first one happened. Um, there may be some sort of, um, you know, emotional component uh, that enabled um, something to attach to someone's aura, for example. Can you provide us with a little more uh, detail, Anonymous? Can you tell us about the circumstances under which the first one occurred, the first incident? Um. So, I don't want to get too graphic on your show, but thank you. Yeah, you know, I was you. I was into some uh, things of a sexual nature that I really shouldn't have been, and I've turned away from now. Um, I, they, it did seem to get a lot worse uh, the further I got into that, and it's gotten. Like I said, the last one wasn't for nine months now since I've backed off of that. Well, there, um, there may possibly be an attachment that um, took place uh, because of some of this other activity. 
And what you would need to do is uh, get the help of someone who can detach that entity, send it away. Um, there's often aura repair that needs to go along with that because um, where something was attached in an aura needs to be healed. And so many energy healers are skilled in that. There are people who also are skilled in uh, spirit releasement. And um, they can um, provide, it's really kind of an exorcism that takes place. Um, not in the full-blown Catholic sense, but an exorcism in that something needs to be expelled. Is it possible he's undergoing some sort of a, if not a possession, and a demonic oppression? Uh, well, if the visions are unpleasant and kind of nightmarish, that certainly indicates the, the presence of um, what we would call a demonic spirit, a negative, hostile, uh, malevolent entity. And um, if something is left unchecked, then there's usually a, a progression where things begin to worsen and other aspects of life get to be affected, health does, uh, dreams get affected. And so it is important to take care of it. Uh, Anonymous, has this affected your health or is it, is it uh, just intruding on your, your dreams or your nightmares? Um. It hasn't really affected my health that I know of. Um, I think the first couple of times it happened while I was sleeping, but after that it's been, you know, while I'm wide awake, so uh, it's kind of, it, it grew from there. But it has is there, basically gone away and, for the last nine months at least. Is there a common denominator that um, that you can identify when, when the, the, the onset of this ringing in your ears happens? In other words, what's going on in your life? Are you in a particular location? Uh, no, it's happened at several different locations. Usually it's just when I'm, um, you know, working. On, you know, I, I write software for a living. Usually it's when I'm sitting at home late at night just writing software, and uh, these things come on me. Well, Are you a, a, a religious... Sorry, go ahead, Rosemary. Oh, I was just going to comment, Richard, that uh, the ringing in the ears is um, often a, a, an onset symptom of, of something coming in. And we find this in, um, for example, ET abduction cases, where people say that they, they know that uh, something's going to happen because they get a ringing in their ears or a buzzing in their head. Right. Yes, I have heard that. Come to mention it. Uh, Anonymous, are you a religious person? Uh, yes, I've turned within the, you know, I'd say I officially became a Christian around the end of 2014. Turned my life over to God. And is there a, uh, like, do you have a, a spiritual father or someone that you could go to with this problem? You would feel comfortable uh, opening up to them about this? Not particularly. Do you think maybe for, it might be wise to, to maybe to reach out to someone like that? I have been thinking about that. What do you think of that idea, Rosemary? Uh, it's uh, certainly a good idea to seek out spiritual help. And uh, I have found in my experience that um, it, it varies considerably. Uh, there are many ministers and priests and spiritual counselors, religious counselors, who don't know much about um, 
spirit attachments and spirit problems, and they don't know how to deal with it or they don't want to deal with it. And um, it's not unusual for a minister to say, oh, it's all in your head, it's just your imagination, uh, or you need to see a psychologist. Um, and then others are very helpful. They're knowledgeable, and, and uh, they, they know what to do, and they have the resources and the training to do it. So I often tell people that it might take you a while to find the right person. Um, and meanwhile, uh, many energy healers and spirit releasement uh, people uh, can be very helpful as well. And uh, spirit releasement is um, uh, a term that many um, of these kinds of exorcists uh, use. And you can Google that on the Internet and, and find uh, those individuals. Uh, they tune into the spirit and ascertain uh, why it's attached and um, get it to go. And they have different techniques for doing that. Uh, and uh, so that would be useful. And energy a releasement, healing as well. A, a spiritual releasement expert, is that how what he would Google? Spiritual yes. releasement? Yes, spirit, right. uh, spirit releasement. Anonymous, uh, I wish you all the luck. Godspeed, God bless, and uh, thank you for sharing that with us. And I hope everything works out for you. Please uh, uh, reach out to us again and uh, let us know how everything's going. Uh, Rosemary, stay put. We'll, uh, we'll get to some more calls when we come back. And again, if you have a problem ghost or a haunted object, then now is the time to call Rosemary Allen Guiley right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth will set you free. But first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us. Uh, next week on the program, Nick Redfern will be along to talk about The Slender Man. And uh, then we have... Um, he's the author of... I don't have his name in front of me, but he's uh, he's written... Very uh, interesting book about the relationship between owls and the paranormal and owls and UFO sightings. There seems to be a connection there, and uh, he documents it uh, sort of throughout history and his own personal uh, encounters with owls and, again, UFO sightings. And I, I am a big fan of owls. I love them. Uh, and, of course, the mighty Aphrodite, being Greek, uh, the owl is the symbol for Athens. That was uh, Athena's symbol, the owl. So that'll be an interesting program. Nick Redfern and uh, Owls and the Paranormal. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us. Her website, visionaryliving.com. Check out the shop, the online bookshop there. And there you'll see uh, the long list of impressive works, many of the major encyclopedic works. And um, there's also... Uh, some books there about haunted objects, and that's what we're talking about this hour, haunted objects. Does it matter? I mean, could a very small item, let's say, for example, a coin, a coin collector, uh, or even uh, a small piece of jewelry, like a, a, a tiny pair of earrings, can they, can they be haunted? 
They certainly can, Richard. Anything, <clears throat> anything can acquire haunting energy. Uh, John maintains a museum of haunted objects, and he's got thousands of them that he's collected. He's been collecting for uh, close to 40 years now from uh, cases. Uh, and uh, anything can be haunted. Pictures, jewelry, even religious statues, pieces of furniture, dolls, uh, coin collections, masks, uh, canes, coats, uh, you name it, uh, anything can acquire energy. And it's something to think about, you know, when, uh, when we pass objects uh, on, when we pass on possessions, and when we go shopping secondhand, uh, most of the time people are not going to have a significant problem. In all the years that I've been buying secondhand and antique furniture, um, I've rarely had a problem. The, uh, the Chinese liquor cabinet that we acquired several years ago is the most active piece that, uh, that I've had in a long time. And um, something came along with it that uh, liked to play with the, um, the cabinet handles, and it would um, um, twist the handles so that we couldn't open any of the cupboards or doors. Uh, and uh, it was very confounding. But we haven't had any activity now for a little over a year. And uh, so I don't know whether it went away or it uh, used up all its energy. Hmm. You mentioned uh, John Zaffis, of course, the haunted collector. Uh, I mean, where does he store all of this stuff? Because I would think, uh, you know, all of the pieces that he has collected, as you say, over 40 years, you must get just an incredibly powerful and bad vibe when you walk into that where that barn or warehouse or wherever he stores all of this stuff. Well, John collected so many objects that he, he had to build an outbuilding for them, which he calls the barn, and he's got his office there, too. It's, it's not big like a horse barn. It's a, it's a small building, but it's two levels, and uh, he's got uh, it's stuffed with objects. Now, everything that he brings in, he cleanses first. He neutralizes it. Some, some of the items that had hostile spirits um, attached to them, he... Uh, he has bound them and, and put them in glass uh, display cases so that um, that energy is not disturbed. Then he's got a lot just stored in boxes in his basement and his attic, so not everything is, uh, is on display. But you know that even though those objects have been neutralized, people pick up on energy. It's kind of impossible not to feel something when you're walking past all these objects. Um, I've even gotten EVP there. When we were working on our, uh, on our books, John and I would go through the collection, and I would have a digital recorder going uh, while we talked about the objects, and John related some of their background and history. And uh, I would have voices on playback, you know, mystery voices on playback, uh, including mm -hmm. one very spooky voice, a male-sounding voice that said, John. Uh, oh, very loudly when I played it back. Uh, people have gotten kind of electric shocks walking past certain items. Uh, they feel watched. Um, but um, John feels uh, pretty immune to it. How does he bind them, the spirits? Uh, it can be done through prayer and calling in the angel realm and also cords of light. 
And uh, so when you bind something to an object, if, if it will not go, then it's bound to the object so it can't uh, move around and cause problems. And that's done through um, calling in uh, whatever angels are, are your particular helpers um, and uh, visualizing cords of light going around this object and using prayer and invocation to command uh, that um, this spirit will uh, will not be able to uh, move past the uh, the object. And the reason why then these objects are then put in containers like um, a glass display case uh, is that handling them uh, could disturb those energetic um, l- links, uh, cords, and uh, so you don't want those disturbed. All right, let's uh, say hello to William in Toronto. William, good evening, Wel- or I should say good morning now. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hi. Uh, before I get started, I, I'd like to say that Rosemary is one of the very few people that I agree with uh, to a great extent. Um, she's very good at, at, at everything she tells you. Um, I'd like to know if binding and loosing is... Uh, effective uh, in the name of Lord Jesus the Christ, as in the Mark 16, 18 uh, uh, Bible scripture. And are we dealing here with uh, shapeshifter demons or just unclean spirits or leftover spirits from people that have not gone to the other side yet? And if you can uh, give comments on that, it'll be great. Good questions, William. all, All of the above. Um, what we find attached to objects, uh, first of all, there's um, just kind of emotional residue that doesn't have uh, an active personality uh, to it. It's just stuff that's accumulated from previous owners. And uh, then there are people who uh, are earthbound for periods of time. Uh, They don't make a full transition immediately. And uh, it is possible for them to attach to to some of their objects as well. Um, there are lots of low-level spirits that are, um, I, I want to say they're fairly benign because they're not evil or malevolent, but they're more trickster-like. And uh, this is a very common sort of attachment if we find spirits attached to things. Then there are uh, also hostile uh, entities that uh, will attach um, and uh, some of those uh, are related to uh, summoning activities, and they can be quite problematic because they have an energy and a power and an intent to act out in harmful ways. Uh, some of the other uh, low-level spirits are just, I call them more opportunistic than, than anything else. They'll um, maybe be capable of some poltergeist effects, uh, what we would call haunting phenomena, and it doesn't go beyond that. It's not. It doesn't become like a personal attack on a person. But, William, um, thank you for any... the call. Uh, Rose, sorry, yeah, Rosemary, sure. I've got to duck in here, and uh, we'll take a quick time out. Come back. Have to ask you about that Masonic apron story that actually uh, occurred here in Toronto. The owners reached out to you. We'll talk about that when we come back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Rosemary Allen Guiley is with us. The website visionaryliving.com and um, pretty close to 70 books now. She has authored or co-authored, and I believe you can see all of those uh, online at her uh, bookstore. Again, visionaryliving.com. Rosemary, when you describe uh, certain hauntings as a residual energy or a residual memory it's it's kind of a it's um it's a very clinical sort of approach that sort of takes a lot of the fear uh out of it is there but is there anything at this stage of the game that frightens you well certainly i have encountered hostile entities in some of the cases that i've investigated that um have been, uh, yes, frightening, because um, some of them are very powerful. Uh, They can gain the upper hand on people. Uh, They're unpredictable, and um, they're they're not something to be trifled with. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't do exorcisms myself, and that's um, um, a a very particular skill. And uh, I refer people to exorcists if I think um, that that's what's warranted in a case. Uh, I have advised people on cleansing environments, you know, like the home environment and, you know, getting rid of some low-level things. But when it comes to the heavy-duty stuff, uh, sometimes you have to know just um, when it's, it's time to clear out and uh, start over again. Can you give me an example uh, where, you, where you decided it was time to pull up stakes and, and clear out rather than deal with this entity? Well, when I say clear out, I mean at least for the time being. Uh, sure, sure. Because, uh, you know, if, if energy starts to uh, increase uh, and uh, negative things start happening uh, in unpredictable ways uh, so that you're in danger of losing control over a situation, then it's, it's best to um, just get out. And uh, I've had some uh, cases of gin activity in the past where that's been the case, where uh, I've set up with uh, a team of people to, um, to do like an all-night uh, investigation, try and collect some uh, information about what's going on or even communicate with uh, the, the presence that, that is there. And uh, there have been times when uh, the activity has uh, started to ramp up in unpleasant ways, uh, equipment um, malfunctions, or people start to feel personally threatened by the the presence or presences there. And when people start to get upset, um, then that's a very tricky time uh where you can lose control and so it's it's better just uh, there have been some times that i've said okay well we're calling it a night we'll we'll come back later uh, and uh, i have felt those uncertainties as well as as other people but if you if you start to feel uncertain or even fearful uh, then they will get the upper hand on you very quickly have you ever been attacked by a full-on apparition well, I've had, um, uh, I did have one case where I had uh, quite a few scratches on my back, 
and another case where I had some um, minor cuts on an arm, uh, you know, like little uh, paper cuts or razor razor cuts that bled a bit. Um, I have not ever been uh, like pushed or thrown or uh, anything violent like that. But the uh, the scratches happened. Uh, after an investigation, I'd given a, a lecture down in Virginia at a haunted plantation to a paranormal group, and we were talking about negative entities and how to protect yourself from them. And uh, then after that, we did an investigation uh, at the uh, haunted plantation. And we stayed overnight, not at the plantation, but uh, Joe and I uh, spent the night in, in Virginia. And when I woke up, I discovered that I had these um, red scratches all over my back, like someone had taken a like a garden trowel to me uh, hmm. and criss- crisscrossed my back with scratches. I couldn't have possibly done it myself, and yet I hadn't felt anything uh, during the night. Um, they lasted about a day and then went away. And I took it as a indication that um, whatever was listening to my talk probably didn't like it. Oh dear. Oh, I hope they paid you time and a half for that. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's say hi to Averill in Richmond Hill. Averill, Hello. welcome. Good morning. Welcome to the Conspiracy Hello. Show. Hi there. You're on. Hello. Hi, Averill. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I had my phone backwards. <laughs> That's all right. It happens. <laughs> uh, what I wanted to ask Rosemary about. I've had a couple of, of strange things over the years, but. Uh, the one I was going to ask about, I've decided not to. And uh, about two years ago, I was sitting by my computer, and I was very worried about uh, a certain thing. I actually, even a bit scared, but extremely worried. And all of a sudden, I smelt a super uh, strong uh, smell of roses. And roses. it was so strong that I started looking around. I thought. This is the middle of winter, and I have no flowers in the house. Where's this smell coming from? And it wasn't coming from anywhere. I don't know. And it stayed for about 10 minutes, and then slowly it drifted off. So uh, I, I Googled it and thought, yeah, I didn't realize how many people have had this happen to them. And what I Googled is something about a protective energy or a protective force. It's often associated with saints, isn't it, Rosemary? Saints, it can be associated with saints, also angels, spirit guides, uh, even the dead. Uh, oh. If we um, uh, feel that uh, we have a close bond with someone on the other side who kind of looks out for us. Um, floral scents, and especially rose scents, lavender is, is uh, another one that's common, uh, often indicate this protective, helpful, uh, benevolent spirit presence. So... Uh, perhaps it uh, it manifested as um, a calming reassurance for you. Well, it was like after I, I thought I. It's funny. Instinctively, I felt it was something like that. Uh, and there was a, another thing. Uh, many, many, many years ago, uh, I used to do med. I was trying meditation on auras, and I did it with a candle, and. I couldn't. I'm, it's very hard for me to steal my mind. So anyhow, the candle be- uh, bent in two. Oh, oh my! So I blew out the candle. I got really scared. 
<laughs> I blew out the candle. So about two months later, I did the same thing, and I heard an explosion in my living room. And it just scared the daylights out of me, and I couldn't find where it came from. And I ran into my son's bedroom, told him to get on the floor. I thought someone shot something through a window. But anyway, as I did that, a, a orange ball of light flew around the room and then went out the bedroom window. Was that a spirit? Well, it certainly sounds like a spirit manifestation. Um, candle meditation is a very good way to connect with the spirit realm. And so maybe your meditation attracted something uh, to the environment. Um, a lot of these are drop-in visitors. Uh, it's a one-time manifestation. And, Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> that, that may have occurred in this case. I see. Well, Averill, Averill, thank you so much for that. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Great call. Thanks for sharing. Call thank again you. sometime. Bye-bye. Rosemary, bye-bye. Rosemary, I just have a, we have a few minutes left. Uh, don't know. Just give us the, um, the, the synopsis of that um, haunted Masonic apron. Do you remember? I do. A very interesting case where a grandfather who was a Mason had passed away and uh, the, um, family had inherited his Masonic apron and put it in a closet, and then poltergeist phenomena broke out in the house. And uh, I suggested that um, maybe he might be upset because he wasn't buried with his apron. It's, uh, I don't know what the tradition was in his lodge, but in many lodges it's traditional for Masons to be buried with their aprons. And uh, I believe they said some prayers over it, and um, the problem went away. I, I recall you describing this once because this was a, 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 a couple here in Toronto that I think reached out to you after hearing you on the show. And they reached into the closet one time where the apron was hanging. And all of a sudden, the inside of the closet, it was like the telephone booth on Doctor Who. It, they went inside and the closet was much, much bigger than it should have been. Am I remembering that correctly? I, I believe so. They had a lot of very strange phenomena going on with it. Um, once they, uh, they said a prayer to the grandfather, uh, I don't think it was possible to, you know, that he was buried, and so it wasn't possible to, you know, bury the apron with him without, you know, a disinterment. But they did say some prayers, and uh, they said some prayers to the grandfather, and um, that seemed to put the matter at rest because the phenomena did stop. Right, right. How often are you getting, um, do, do people reach out to you continuously uh, with, with problem uh, hauntings? Yes, I, I get them all the time. Uh, sometimes they seem to go in spurts, like there's something out in the, in, in the ethers, you know, that uh, works things up and a lot of people start experiencing things. And sometimes um, people see, watch TV shows and then... Uh, uh, that makes them concerned, and they start paying more attention. But uh, yes, it's it's fairly common that people have um, uh, issues with objects, and uh, most of them can be resolved in a very satisfactory way. Can they reach out to you through your website? Yes, visionaryliving.com. Rosemary, always a pleasure, always enlightening. Thank you so much. And thank you, Richard. All right, be well. We'll talk again next month. Okay, good night. Good night. Rosemary Ellen Guiley. All right, that's it for us. 
My thanks to uh, Ian Robertson, of course. Ryan uh, Elbert taking a much-deserved night off, always uh, doing yeoman's duty. Next week, Nick Redfern and the connection between owls and the paranormal. Until then, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.